Hello, and welcome to the Natural Wisdom Podcast. This is episode 22 of the second season. And uh, today is the first day of the sun in Leo. So we're now in Leo season. We'll talk a little bit about what that means. I'm Christine Backus, your host. And I wanted to spend a couple of minutes first saying thank you for listening and also remind everybody of what we're doing here, what, what my intention was and uh, what the Natural Wisdom Podcast is all about. We've been talking about karma and astrology uh, and some of that can get a little bit heady and some of it can also um, feel a little bit more abstract. And what we're really doing, what I'm really doing with this podcast is trying to help us remember ourselves as part of it all, right? As part of nature, as part of the natural cycles. And today I want to talk um, a little bit about the astrology of the time because it's a more volatile time of the year um, now. And then again, when we get into eclipse season again, so it could feel a little bit intense. Uh, And It's also in the Northern hemisphere, it's hot, right? This is the time that, this is the sun's time to shine. This is the sun's season uh, from a astrological and a nature point of view. And I wanna talk a little bit about that. And then just today, I really wanna tell some stories about nature as a mirror uh, for our lives and for ourselves and for uh, our karma. If you just remember that karma is those stories and survival stories that we tell ourselves um, that keep us stuck in old repeating patterns. Um, so let's just start with Leo itself and this, this, the fact that we're in Leo season. And again, in the Northern hemisphere, it's the heart of summer, Southern hemisphere would be the heart of winter. This is the sun, right? The sun rules Leo. The sun is in its own sign. This is the time where in our part of the world, the earth starts to accumulate the heat of the sun's um, fire. It's been, uh, at least in our part, I live in Montana, right? It's been cool and rainy up until the last couple of weeks. And now you can really start to feel the heat accumulating. And when it accumulates in the planet, it's also accumulating in our bodies. And so here we are in this part of the the year where most of us have so much energy because the days are so long. They're just beginning to shorten now after the cancer solstice. Um, But the days are so long and there's so much sunshine and at least where I am, that means it's time to rock and roll because we have short seasons and short summer seasons. So most of us are inclined to take full advantage of the sun. And that may, may not, may not be true everywhere and people listening in different parts of the world. Um, But certainly here, that's part of the pattern of this time of year. And so we're accumulating heat in our bodies And uh, so that's something to be looking out for that we still wanna be mindful of going to bed at a decent hour and winding down in the evenings as the sun starts to get low in the sky. So it's just some very practical things to think about um, in Leo season. 
we're also coming into the harvest season, the mid Leo, which is about two weeks from now when the sun reaches 15 degrees of Leo. That's the holiday, the ancient pagan, if you will, holy day, cross quarter day of Lamas. And that is kind of short for loaf mass, loaf mass. It's the first harvest season. So it's the first time of baking bread, making breads, for instance, because at least in times when we were a little bit closer to nature's harvest cycles, that's when we would get our first grain harvest. And so we're coming into this big harvest season. And if you shop at the farmer's market, you may already be noticing that too, is that this is where you can get this abundance of vegetables and abundance of green things and abundance of things that have ripened on the vine. Uh, and so that's another thing when we think about caring for our bodies seasonally, we want to eat what's in season. And so this is just the time to be loading up on fruits and vegetables. So let's talk a little bit about um, astrology. So the North Node, which we've been talking about a lot in the last, well, we've been talking about it a lot because that's where the eclipse cycle is, is, is based on the nodes. The North Node uh, in traditional astrology is a place of accretion. It's a place of where energy is coming in. And it's where... Um, in our personal lives, our North Node is where we're bringing in more of that energy and learning about it. It's also where we can tend to go to excess. Uh, and we have what we've got going on, as we've been talking about, is we have the North Node in Taurus. We have Uranus, the, the Great Awakener, the planet of acceleration and change, also in Taurus. And they come together at 18 degrees on July 30th. So just a couple weeks away, just shortly after the Leo new moon, which is on July 28th. And that 18 degree of Taurus uh, has a reputation for being volatile. There have been events at that degree over um, many hundreds of years actually that point to volatility and and because Uranus itself is an indicator and a energy of volatility, we can expect um, we can expect change, right? We can expect breakthroughs, breakdowns, and in specifically in the arena in the arena that belongs to Taurus, which is the material world, Earth, money, body. Um, all the agriculture farming, um, food, all of those things are uh, part of this Taurus journey. And that's why I think we're seeing so many breakthroughs, whether we agree with them or like them or not, in terms of uh, things related to the body and food. Um, and we'll continue to see that and we may see more of it. And we'll probably see some significant things. So you can watch the news around the end of the month and see what that looks like. If you can pick out things that are happening in the money arena, the food arena, the body arena. But in terms of our personal lives, in the terms of our personal lives, and of course, this depends on what um, alignments you have in your chart. If you have a lot of or any personal planets in the fixed signs of Taurus 
uh, Leo, Scorpio, Aquarius, they'll all be impacted by uh, what's going on this month. And they have been impacted by the eclipses, for instance. Um, and then the, I want to add one more energy and then we're going to unpack it together. Mars, the planet of action, the planet of fire, passion, desire, meets up with Uranus and the North Node just a day later, two days later on August 1st. So we'll have all three of those points, planets at 18 degrees at that degree of volatility. And of course, Mars is a trigger, right? It has a cutting and separating action, but it's also just a triggering action. When Mars gets involved, things happen. And then, so we have Mars, Uranus, North Node. And so there's this feeling of tension building it could be also a feeling of heat building again, given the season. And one of, one of the things we want to watch for is what stories we create about this energy. If you listen to a lot of astrology updates and, and forecasts, most likely you're going to hear predictions of um, big cataclysmic events. And most likely, the interpretations of those events will be something negative, uh, something painful, something destructive, because this is a potentially destructive energy. And it also has the capacity and the, yeah, it has the capacity to be a catalyst for positive change. And the stories that we create, if, if you've been listening, I'm sure I talked about this last episode, the stories that we as a culture create about the planetary energies will shape how they occur. So in this episode, I want to put out the challenge that we hold the intention that these, this cataclysmic, catalytic, um, accelerated change energy that comes to a bit of a head at the end of this month, I want us to hold the intention that we get constructive breakthroughs, um, things that are good, let's say, say it this way, good for humans and good for nature, um, and that we kind of shape those events with our own intentions. So if you're listening to this, anytime before the end of the month or even after the end of July, 2022, um, I would recommend that you hold that intention and see what could this be in a positive way? Could we have some breakthroughs in our understanding of the connection between humans and nature? That's a Taurus theme that, that our bodies are part of nature. It's all the same uh, we're made of the same stuff. And when we pay attention and when we align our own lives with the cycles of nature, we support both nature and ourselves, right? If we cooperate and co-create with the natural world, then everybody's better off. And I think we know that intuitively, but we've become so far away from what does that even mean? And, you know, as I mentioned in Leo season, you eat foods that are harvested in Leo time. 
that's an example of a way of cooperating and co-creating with nature that supports our health and certainly supports the planet. Rather than, for instance, um, if we live in a place like Montana and we tend to eat lots of tropical fruits like bananas and um, mangoes and this and that and the other, it might or might not be supportive for our bodies now, this time of year here, but we know for a fact that we're using an awful lot of energy getting those um, fruits to us because they have to come from thousands and sometimes tens of thousands of miles away. So that's one way to think about food and nature and co-creating and cooperating with it, eating what's local and what's seasonal. That sounds so simple. And yet it has such enormous implications. And again, in a time of creating serious, significant change and breakthroughs, maybe one of the ways Mars, Uranus, Tor um, North Node and Taurus can show up is uh, some kind of a, a revolution, that's another Uranian term, in how we relate to our food and how we relate to our bodies. And of course, I'd like to see us relate to our bodies as uh, living beings and part of nature. Uh, so that's, that's kind of the preaching about this Uranus, Uranus, Mars, North Node in Taurus uh, conglomeration and lineup at the end of the month. Uh, so let me, the other thing I wanted, well, let me talk a little bit more about the Taurus-Scorpio axis. So Taurus, again, physical material reality um, has to do with pleasure. It's ruled by Venus. So there's something about love in there and um, the love that we, the love that we receive from the material world. In a sense, the material world is the physical expression of the force of love, right? If you, just in a very esoteric point of view, if that sounds kind of touchy-feely, just think about it from an esoteric point of view, there's a, a universal energy that, turn, that becomes form, is created into form, and we could call that energy, we could label it as love, and Taurus is the physical manifestation of that love and that energy. And so everything that you see is a physical manifestation and everything you can touch is a physical manifestation of creative energy, life force energy, love. So the opposite sign to Taurus is Scorpio and Scorpio represents that life force energy. It represents power, true power, the power that comes from creativity and from our own life force, our own animating force. Scorpio ruled by Mars, Mars coming into this conjunction. So we're getting um, a challenge, if you will, to release some of the south node in Scorpio shadows. And we've been talking about it on this podcast for a while. The south node in Scorpio tends to stir up some of the kind of the deep 
scary places of Scorpio. And Scorpio is one of the deep, scary signs, right? That's what it's about. Scorpio is what's underneath, what's hidden, fixed water. Um, I like saying still waters run deep, but you can think about what's kind of frozen at the very bottom of the ocean in that still place under lots of pressure. And when we start trying to uh, get a sense of Scorpio in our lives, um, we can think about all the occult arts uh, because occult, again, means what's hidden, what's underneath the surface. We can think about um, the places where we have maybe irrational fears, deeply held fears that, that are under the surface, deeply held, right, under the surface. That's a Scorpio. Those are all Scorpio words. Um, and places where we're being driven from those unconscious fears, and so with Mars coming together with Uranus in the North Node, opposite by definition, the South Node in Scorpio, what we could be looking at is um, a sudden release or a sudden exposure, a sudden um, apocalypse, right? Unveiling of some of the places where we have these hidden fears driving our behavior. And in personal terms, um, again, that might mean where are you, where are you holding back your life force out of fear? And where are you um, letting your deep emotions drive you uh, without necessarily even being conscious of it? That's part of what we're looking at with this, um, this lineup at the end of the month. And then again, what we experienced with the eclipses in May and what we'll be experiencing again with the eclipses in uh, late October, early November. We'll get another round of triggers to this kind of energy. So I wanna talk a little bit about fear and the relationship to vulnerability because again, these are very Scorpio themes and they're up for me and I want to talk about nature as the mirror for that. How we relate to, mirror, to nature is a mirror for how we relate to our bodies, how we relate to ourselves. And um, these unconscious patterns are just another, that's just another way to describe what we've been calling karma, what karma is. Uh, and uh, nature is such a great example. I live in a place where people come here to fish, they come here to hike, they come here to get out in nature. And it brings up unconscious things in so many ways. I live 50 miles north of Yellowstone Park. And if you've ever read the news of tourist season in Yellowstone Park, it's quite prevalent here. There are always people who encounter wildlife in the park and treat them, treat the wildlife without understanding, respect and honor and often get hurt. Uh, we think about grizzly bears. That's the first thing that probably comes to mind because we do have grizzlies, but really it's usually bison. It's usually interactions with bison or elk. It's usually um, some kind of an ungulate, a four footed grazing animal that people get in trouble with um, because they don't, even though you're talking about a 2000 pound animal, there's not a sense of wildness. We've lost our sense of wildness. 
we've lost our understanding of wildness in a lot of cultures and um, certainly in a lot of cities. And as a culture too, we're uncomfortable with wildness. We're uncomfortable with things that we can't control, that we don't control. We leave lights on at night because we don't like the darkness. We, um, we leash our pets. We cage animals. We, we um, try to control ourselves, control our behavior. We, everything that we do is often designed to control our experience. And wildness, by definition, is not controlled. And again, if we're thinking about it and trying to fit it into this language of astrology, that's one of the um, themes, if you will, of this Scorpio-Taurus uh, polarity is the theme of wildness and regaining our appreciation for it is one of the ways that we integrate Taurus and Scorpio is by appreciating wildness. Um, and so let me give you a couple of examples. I'm going to give you examples from my life because I have a lot of wildlife stories. I spend a lot of time hiking alone in the mountains. And when I first started doing that, I was terrified of bears. When I was all my years of backpacking in my 20s and 30s, I was afraid of bears. No matter where I was, um, if I knew there were bears in the area, I was afraid of them. And of course, we, it's impossible to backpack, at least in places I went, without running into bears occasionally. And no matter how many times I was with, usually was hiking with somebody at that point, I ran into a bear and the bear ran away. I still was afraid of bears because, and here's what my interpretation of the because is, because even though my personal experience was that they were as afraid of me as I was of them, I had read the stories. I had seen the movies, Night of the Grizzly, um, read the newspaper stories. And so the first thing I wanna say about our relationship with nature and wildness in this context is we have to be so careful who we allow to curate our information for us, whether it's um, conventional education, conventional media, they're all curating the stories for us. And that curation comes from the karma of the culture, comes from the assumptions of the culture, and it comes from, it comes from a very long tradition of trying to control the material realm and trying to separate the spiritual and the material. And that gets into a big philosophical discussion that I won't try to go into now, although I'm sure I have in the past, right? So that's the first, so when you think about, let's just use bears, they're such a good example. We did have somebody killed by a grizzly bear earlier this year in our area. And it was somebody who was um, a consummate outdoorsman. I don't know the details. I can't tell you why it happened to him. Um, I can't tell you if he did something quote unquote wrong um, or if he was just in a bad place at a bad time. I don't know. Here's what I do know. Again, I've, well, let me tell you a story, a couple of stories. Um, 
sorry, just, well, let me tell you two stories. So a couple of years ago, I was hiking up on our family property in the evening, just going for essentially a walk in the woods on a trail that I go up uh, hundreds of times a summer because it's the main trail up behind the family cabin. And I wasn't really paying that much attention. I was walking quite slowly, mostly looking at the ground, sort of looking for tracks, looking at flowers, plants, rocks, um, and had just decided to keep going a little bit further, had stopped and paused for a moment and then decided to go a little bit further. And I glanced up ahead of me on the, um, the trail and there was a bear. And it wasn't a huge bear, but it was a bear, black bear. They're mostly black bears in my area. And the bear was sort of facing sideways on the trail. And I stopped. And what I do when I see bears, this is my um, method of, of interacting with them, is I look at them out of my peripheral vision. So I don't look directly at them. And I sort of look off to the side and I turn my body slightly sideways so that it's clear I'm not issuing any kind of a challenge. And I stay relaxed and I just stay breathing. And I just kind of watched him out of this corner of my eye for a moment, him or her, don't know which. And as I paused, again, and of course in my mind, I'm thinking, what do I do? I'd like to keep going, but I'm obviously not gonna go challenge this bear on the trail. Uh, it can't just run, right? You never would wanna run. Um, because like dogs, bears have some very sim similar patterns of behavior to dogs. And dogs will chase things if they run. Bears will chase things if they run. Not always, right? None of this is always. Um, and of course, this is also a bear I'd run into several other times. So this wasn't a completely unfamiliar creature to me. Uh, and what I love about this story is that at some point I got curious and I wanted to see if the bear was still there, what it was doing. And so I had looked away as I was considering turning around and going back down the hill. And I slowly turned back and kind of, again, looking through peripheral vision, but turned my head back towards the bear. And guess what the bear was doing? The bear was doing exactly the same thing. It was slowly turning its head towards me to check out what I was doing. So we were doing exactly the same thing. We were behaving in exactly the same way. Both of us were standing still, kind of paying sideways attention to each other. The bear got curious about me. At the same time, I got curious about the bear. I looked at it. It made me laugh. And then I just slowly turned around and went back to the cabin. That was it. I have no idea what it, the bear did after that. It didn't come down the hill after me, as far as I could tell. I don't know if it stayed and just kept doing its thing or what. But so that's a story of an encounter with a bear that you're never going to read in the newspaper. You're never going to read. Well, you might read about it in a book if, if people like me write books and talk about our encounters with bears. There's a couple people here in the local area that occasionally post similar stories on social media, but it's not going to make the papers. If I'd had a run in with that bear and it had mauled me and I'd had had to, for some reason, call an ambulance or whatever, or had died, you would have read about that. So that's story number one. 
Um, and the point is that this is the vast majority of people's interactions with bears, but yet most of us carry or have carried, I don't have it anymore, thank goodness, this incredible fear of these animals. Now, I wanna make sure that everybody understands I know a bear can kill you, right? I know a bear can kill me. I know a bear can do damage. I know that. This is not about denial or um, some kind of turning the bear into a teddy bear or some gentle, sweet creature. I'm not trying to turn it into something it isn't and fooling myself about it. And I certainly wouldn't want other people to just assume this, that that's the case. Um, and I also wanna point out that the family dog is as dangerous as a bear, but more less likely, right? Although in my experience, bears aren't that likely to hurt you either. Again, we hear about it. That's what's curated in the news. Um, and I think, um, want to say too that people tend to arm up when they go into the woods around bears. They tend to want to carry bear spray, which I don't do. They want to tend, they tend to want to carry guns. They tend to want to up their defenses. And that is the conventional wisdom about how to travel in bear country is to have something to defend yourself, something to you know, put the bear off to stop it, to do whatever. Um, and my sense of that going along with my sense of our, our fear of bears and wildness and wildlife and many other things that we don't, um, we don't understand. It's all about our own fear of being vulnerable. And one of my concerns with carrying a gun or carrying bear spray in the wild when you know you're going to be around bears is I believe that it can take away some of our sense of vulnerability. And that to me is false. That to me is dangerous. Walking around thinking you're in control and that you can stop a bear and that you all you have to do is figure out your bear spray and spray it. To me, that's dangerous because it's not true. You are not in control, even if you're carrying those kind of defenses. Better, I think, as um, I try to do, is remember that I am vulnerable when I go out there by myself and understand it. And, you know, part of the reason that, um, part of the reason that I've worked through this fear of bears and mountain lions and moose and everything else that could potentially kill you. Again, it's through interactions like that one. It's not the, certainly isn't the first time I've been within 30 feet of a bear. Um, and I'm sure it will not be the last time I'm within 30 feet of a bear and have some kind of similar interaction. But the other thing is that, again, hiking alone, but even if you're hiking with people, it, 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 your risks go up by being alone because it's a little harder to get help if you need it, right? Um, but the truth is the greater risk to hiking in the mountains alone is not, it's not being eaten by a bear. It's twisting an ankle on a rock. It's falling and breaking something. 
it's uh, getting caught in a sudden thunderstorm or lightning storm and, and, uh, or getting lost. There are so many other risks that are greater. Um, and we do read about those. We do read about that, but we probably don't read about everybody twisting an ankle in the back country. We probably don't read about everybody getting caught in a, th a, a storm and getting hypothermia. Certainly that doesn't make the national papers, whereas a grizzly attack will. Um, so if I bring this back around now to this whole question that we're talking about, if you remember that the, the uh, nodal axis is the axis of karma, right? In shorthand, this is the area where we're working out or being confronted with karma at the moment. And this Mars, Uranus, North Node lineup in Taurus is a confrontation, perhaps is the best way to put it, a confrontation with the karma around um, how we relate to our bodies and nature. And given the headlines that I peeked at this morning, it probably has to do with viruses. We've got another um, health emergency being declared. So again, this has to do, just as my story about the bear does, this has to do with our sense of, of vulnerability our lack of understanding of our relationship with the natural world, our lack of trust in wildness and the natural world, our lack of trust in our very own bodies and how our bodies are, our bodies know how to co-create with nature. We've forgotten, our culture has forgotten. Even in the case of the bear story, if I, the more time I spend in the wildness and in the wilderness and in the mountains, the more I understand that my body knows it's just about minding my own business. If I meet an animal in the wilds, it's about minding my own business, staying centered in myself, and then responding as appropriate in the moment. I could easily go on a rant. I'm not going to. Um, maybe someday I'll rant more, um, but I, I don't want to turn the podcast into a rant, but I do want to provoke thinking. I want to provoke a new way of thinking about our relationship with our bodies, our relationship with nature, our relationship with wildness. Um, so let me tell you one more bear story because bear stories are kind of fun. Um, so there's another bear in the neighborhood this year. Um, up until last year, we had a black bear and then a black colored black bear. Black bears could come in a range of colors. And I don't know what happened to that one. There is bear hunting season twice a year here. So that bear may have been shot. Um, there's a little smaller um, bear in the neighborhood now, and it's sort of a blondish cinnamon colored, grizzly colored, but not a grizzly. Uh, and I've run into that one a couple of times. I've seen it from a distance and now I've been starting to run into it because it's, it's coming close. And um, a couple of weeks ago, I was out on an evening hike again. And if you don't ever want to encounter wildlife, do not ever go at it in the evening, early mornings and evenings, because that's when you're most likely to. Um, so I was out on an evening hike and I was following a game trail and I had just crested a hill, come out on a little bench, it, it, but it's in heavy woods where there's a lot of down trees 
Um, you can't see very far most of this part of the, the forest. And it's also very difficult to, to go in any particular direction because there's so many trees down on the ground and there's an old trail I was following. And I heard, started, hearing, um, started hearing what sounded like a child screaming. I knew it wasn't a child screaming. I had a pretty good idea it was probably a fawn or a deer screaming because they make a very human-like sound when they're in distress. And I stopped, of course, wanting to figure out what was going on before I went any further and kept looking around, looking for the source of the noise. And I saw this little blonde, blonde bear, um, which isn't much more than a cub, but might be a year old. So it's, it's probably a couple hundred pounds, but it's not a huge bear. I saw this bear with a fawn in its mouth, in its jaws. And we saw each other at about the same time. And it was probably 60 feet away, I'm going to say. And it did cross my mind that I didn't want to get, um, didn't want to tangle with a bear that was getting its meal, right? So it did cross my mind, but there was nothing to do but to stand there and watch and try not to stare. Um, but I was still in that moment of surprise when I was looking directly at it. It was looking at me and I startled it. It started up a tree because black bears could climb, climb trees, started up a, um, a tree. And then when I just stood there, I think it must, I don't know if it realized I wasn't a threat or what, but it came back down the tree and started carrying the fawn off. And the fawn was screaming this whole time. And then about the same time, the the mother deer, the doe, uh, I noticed the doe was off to the other side of me and she came running, obviously trying to sort out how to help her, her fawn in distress, which of course she couldn't do. And so this all happened in the span of maybe a minute or two. And then the bear started taking off through the woods and then the doe um, started following it. And then I was heading home and I was following the trail because it was a little too tough to go um, through the woods in any other direction and hoping that the trail and the bear's path didn't cross. And of course, in those kinds of situations, you just are paying attention. I moved very slowly, just with my ears open, my eyes open, um, listening for sounds and very aware and trying to stay very aware of the bear, of where the bear was and where this was all happening. And I made it home 10, 15 minutes later, just at a normal pace and uh, realized that they had gone a different direction. But again, an encounter with a bear and this one, an encounter with true wildness, right? This wasn't, there was no tameness in this situation. There was no, um, Oh, it's a cute bear, very, um, yeah, it's, it, this wasn't just a cute bear, this was a bear as predator. And black bears typically aren't, that's not their first go-to for food. They're not big, as, as big of predators, for instance, as grizzlies or like lions or predators, that's what they eat. Bears will eat grass, they'll eat berries, they eat a lot of different things. But this bear had found a fawn, probably a fawn that had been hidden by its mother in the grass and told to lie still. That's what they do. And the bear had found it. Um, so again, the reason I tell this story is that 
in my mind and in what I've been told, that could have been a very dangerous situation because the bear um, had food and it was going to protect its food. Um, and so in my mind, the story could have been, wow, this is really scary and I need to panic. Um, but again, that's a story and that's based on what's been curated for me. And my direct experience is different. And I know I'm vulnerable. Again, it's that recognition of vulnerability and the acceptance of vulnerability as a human being on the face of the earth. Uh, and, and perhaps the other thing I want to say about the Taurus-Scorpio axis is that Scorpio is also associated with death. And one of the reasons that we get into controlling our experience is because we simply in our culture don't have a relationship with death. And we don't want to believe we're going to die. We don't want to think about the fact that we're going to die. We want to, don't want to think about how we're going to die. And yet, if we had some peace around that, we might also have some peace around our vulnerability and we might not try to control things and hurt things and kill things that we don't understand, which is what um, Westerners have been doing throughout this country and maybe other, well, in fact, I know other countries, other Western countries have ki either killed off their wildlife or have done a darn fine job of trying. Here in this part of the world, we don't have that many bison anymore. We have them and they're starting to return. And of course, we don't think of them as scary as bears because they're not predators. And yet they're just as dangerous and just as likely to hurt people as evidenced by Yellowstone Park statistics. Um, but we have killed off grizzlies and people still like to kill grizzlies because they're afraid of them. We've killed off wolves for the same reason. And wolves are now back on the, the target for killing in, because they've been taken off the endangered species list. I have neighbors that will shoot a mountain lion if they see it, because again, it's a predator, they're afraid of it. It makes them feel vulnerable. Um, we, yeah, I could go on, but hopefully you see the point that until we come to grips with our, our nature, our, um, the truth of the fact that we will die, the truth of our vulnerability, the truth of our own wildness that we'd rather not see and that we want to control as until we stop trying to kill things we don't understand. And I'll just go out on a limb and say, I think viruses fall into that camp as well. Till we stop trying to kill things because we haven't figured out how we can live with them and how we can cooperate with them. And we don't even understand their place in our lives, either personally or collectively. Um, we're destined to continue doing what we're doing to the earth. And this is a time... And maybe this Mars, Uranus, North Node conjunction um, at the end of the month can be a time where we can start to break through, that's a Uranus word, some of these stories that we have about death and vulnerability, 
Scorpio and reclaim our inner wildness, reclaim our inner natural wisdom, reclaim our ability to cooperate and co-create with our bodies, with the earth, with our food, with nature, with wildness. So I'm gonna stop there. It was a little bit of a rant, maybe not too badly. If you stuck with me, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for listening. Uh, you can support the podcast on Patreon. You can support the podcast, um, I think, through Anchor FM. You can just support it by sharing it, liking it, rating it, reviewing it. Uh, you can always send me a note. And thank you so much for being here. And I'll see you, talk to you in a couple of weeks.